One heart for discipleship. This is the final installment. It's the end of our May series that we've done together with churches throughout Pretoria on the one heart theme. And over this month, we've looked at one heart for God, one heart for God's people, in other words, the church, one heart for the lost. Serving God is not just about ourselves. We have to think of reaching out to others. And today we're dealing with one heart for discipleship, which kind of wraps up all the previous three into this uh, one process, which we'll be looking at in a moment. Now, this coming Thursday, the 30th, now coming Thursday, is uh, Ascension Day. It is not in our calendars anymore because we have a secular calendar, and uh, well, we're blessed still to have Easter and Christmas in our calendar, although they've been considering taking it out, but for the meantime, it is there. But Ascension Day, it used to be a holiday as well, but it is in the Christian calendar that the day in which we remember the day that Jesus ascended up into heaven. After spending 40 days, after coming back to life, he spent 40, 40 days with his disciples and appearing to many people. On the 40th day, Thursday, he went up to heaven. And uh, talking to his followers in those last days, he said two very significant things to them which you want to remember this morning. The first one is found in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where we read the following. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are familiar with this verse. You shall receive power. Notice that word power. You shall receive power. That word power, they were to wait in Jerusalem until they received the Holy Spirit, which would empower them to be witnesses. And as you read the book of Acts, you see the difference that Holy Spirit made. In Acts chapter 2, you read about the coming of the Holy Spirit upon them. And with that empowerment which they received, they were transformed. Peter, a guy that was scared and hiding and, and didn't want to be you know, identified with Jesus, all of a sudden he's got the guts to step out there and boldly preach the gospel. To face the Romans and the Jews, the two groups of people he was running away from, now he's facing them at the risk of losing his neck, literally, he's facing them and preaching the gospel. What happened? Power. And the Greek word for power used in this passage is the word dunamis. Dunamis. It means force. It means strength. It means power. It means ability. Dunamis is the root word from which our English word dynamite comes from. And you know what dynamite can do, right? It's a pretty powerful substance. And that's what dunamis does for us. When we come to the Lord and we allow, we allow our lives to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need lives filled with the Holy Spirit. Worship is one of the vehicles that is used to get us filled with the Holy Spirit. You can do it at home. You can do it anywhere. Just put some worship music and, and worship God and allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit to fill your life, to take over. 
And very often, it is accompanied by, by, by strong feelings of emotions. It can be accompanied by a strange tongue coming out of your mouth. Allow the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit fills you with power, dunamis, to be what God wants you to be. And then you find people doing things they would not normally do, but with the power of the Holy Spirit they can do. Before committing my life to Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit, I could never stand in public and talk to people. A couple of times as a, as a young man in the youth, they would ask me to, to say something before the youth group saying, my goodness, I'd spend the whole afternoon trying to write one paragraph, like two lines, you know. And then I'd come in the evening and, and try and read it and, and everything would shake and I, I would start talking and, and talk faster and faster and then run to the back and hide. I, I could not face people. So pastor, what are you doing on top day today? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. I'm still a shy guy. I'm still a timid guy. I'm still an introvert. But I do this because the power of the Holy Spirit in me. I can face you. I can go to a high school and face a thousand kids. And I can do it because the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me allows me to do and to be what God wants me to be. It's a wonderful power available to us, which Christ has given to us. But there is another kind of power which Jesus spoke about. And this you find in the other significant thing Jesus said, and that is in Matthew chapter 28. Towards the end of the chapter, verses 17 to 20, we read as following. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Remember, Jesus spent time with his disciples, but he also revealed himself to, to many other people. Not everybody had the chance to spend close time with Jesus. So there were a few dudes over there which were wondering, is this, isn't that? They were doubting. Those doubts, by the way, were removed during the ascension and when the Holy Spirit came down. There was no more doubt left. But at this time, when Jesus was talking to them before he went up to heaven, he said, uh, Jesus came and spoke to them and saying, all authority, some translations, they use the word power. King James and a couple of other translations, they use the word power over there because the Greek word that is used over here can be translated both as authority or as in power. So it's another kind of power. All power, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. In other words, to do, to live out everything, all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How can he say, I am with you when I, when I can't see him and touch him? Well, he had said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be in you, not with you, in you. So as children of God, when, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to be outside of us. He comes to be in us. Wherever we are, he's there with us. What a wonderful thing to have. What a companionship to have. And so Jesus said these words to them. And now observe what he's saying over there. There's a, there's a pattern. This is known as the, as the Great Commission. That's a title given to this little passage because this is the, 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 the words which Jesus gave at the end of his mission and by saying this, he established the mission of the church, the mission of his followers. Our mission today comes from these words of Jesus. He was coming to the end of his ministry here on earth, and you're saying, guys, I'm going back, I'm going to ascend to heaven, but I'm giving you authority and power to continue my work on earth. Now you guys take the baton. You carry on with 
what I've started until I come back. I will be coming back, but until then, here, you carry on. Powerful words that he shares with us here. Now, there's a pattern over here. Notice the pattern. You, we must preach the gospel and help people come to Christ. Then we must baptize them, get them into fellowship in the church, teach them about the ways of God. We must help them then to live those ways and practice what they learn. Let the ways of the Lord govern every area, be it work, be it church, be it play, be it school, sport. In fact, whatever they do. You see, the Bible says that everything that we do, we must do it to the glory of God. We must do it as unto the Lord. So everything we do is worship to Him. You see, worship is not just getting together and singing and, and focusing. Listen, that's a very powerful time. And a minute when I say worship is worship. So we need these times together. Because as we worship God together, we get strengthened. We, we sense his presence. We get revelation of his word. We get empowered. And then we live out our lives in that power. But you see, for the believer, everything you do is worship. When you're at work, you're working. You're living out your life, your mission. You're worshiping God with your work, with your studies. With your sport, even with your recreation, you do it to the glory of God. Amen. Oh, it was wonderful worshiping God on the beach last week. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And observing his creation and, and, and his detail. I mean, I, I sat amongst the rocks at one stage you know, in one of the beaches and just, just looking at these tiny little things and little shells and little plants, beautifully colored and and I'm thinking, now, why so much detail was something that very few people take notice of? And I thought, but he did it for me. He knew I, I was going to be there, you know. And so he did it just for me. So I could sit there and, and watch all these little fish and all these little things. And Everything you do can be worshipped to God, should be worshipped to God. Enjoy everything you do in him and for him. So that's what he calls us to do, to live out our lives for him, okay? Now, I want you to look at this illustration over here, and, and this is what he calls us to do. He calls us to come to Christ. That, that is the mission. How people come to Christ. Go and preach the gospel. Make disciples. Help them to come to Christ. Teach them, you know, baptize them, and, and teach them, you know, just get them to learn his ways. Get him to learn his ways and then help them to, to live his ways. And, 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 and living his ways, it's not just us getting together and, and having a whole bunch of, of wonderful Christian friends and, and having a cozy time together. Living his ways goes beyond this. Living his ways goes towards looking at others and helping other people come to Christ. It's a cycle. And if you look carefully, this is what our church is all about, our, our minimized mission statement. You, you get it every month in your calendars. We've got the summarized mission, uh, mission of our church in your calendars. Connect, grow, mobilize. That, that's what, what you're all about, guys. What are we do, talking about? We're talking about carrying out the Great Commission. Connect. That means connecting with Christ, helping people to connect with God. Helping people connect with the church. Helping people connect with each other. Helping people connect with themselves. Because you don't really know yourself until you know Christ. And you find your identity in Him. 
until you find your identity in him, you, you, you're chasing your life, trying to find yourself. You ever heard that? Very popular these days. Oh, I'm trying to find myself. Hey, you're right there, baby. What are you looking for? I, I, I found you. <laughs> what are they saying when they say, I'm trying to find myself? They are not sure of that. They have not connected with themselves yet. And only through Christ can we connect with ourselves. Because salvation is a spiritual thing. We are spirit, soul, and body. All those three must be in harmony in God. Because he's the source of life. And when people don't have Christ, they have this soulish experience trying to find something which they can only find in Christ. There's an emptiness inside humans which can only be filled by the presence of God, no one else. Until you find that presence inside of you, you're going to be chasing, chasing, chasing. And no matter how much money, fame, positions, popularity, power you have, it's not going to fill that thing. We need to connect with God, with the church, with others, with ourselves. And then we need to grow. Grow in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of His ways, in the knowledge of the Bible, in the knowledge of ourselves. But then we must mobilize, use the gifts and talents that God has given us to accomplish the Great Commission. It's not just about us. It starts with us, but then it, we've, we've got to look outward and then start the whole cycle again. Use our gifts and talents to work, to grow the kingdom, to work in the church and work outside the church and help people come to Christ. And so it's a continuous cycle that we go through and it should be continuous in our lives. And that is basically our mission. It's a short version of our mission here at Awaken Life Church. So, in this verse, when Jesus talks about power, he uses a different Greek word. Dynamis power in Acts is the power that enables us to live out that life. But then when he talks about power in, uh, in, in Matthew, he uses another word. It's the Greek word exousia. And exousia means the freedom of action or the right to act. It is one thing to have power. It's another to have freedom to use that power. Huh? Okay. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Let, let me paint a picture for you. Uh, many of you may have heard of Bill Gates, you know, the guy with Microsoft. And uh, he, he has a lot of money, okay? He's one of the richest men in the world. He's got billions. And so if he, if he came here to Pretoria and he hired you to manage a project for him, and this project is worth 500 million rand. To most of us, 500 million rand is a heck of a lot of money. Okay? It's a little bit more than what you make every year. <laughs> you wish, eh? <laughs> or your lifetime, I don't know. <laughs> But, but if Bill Gates came and says, listen, I've got this project. I want you to run this project for me. It, it is, it's worth 500 million rand and I want you to run it. If you get that instruction from Bill Gates, what do you think in your head? Do you think, oh my goodness, give me 500 million rand project. Where am I going to find the money for this? Do, do you think that way? No, it's his project. He's putting you in charge. He's going to pay for it. All you've got to do is run. 
because he has given you the authority to run with 500 million rand project. And so you're going to hire, you're going to fire, you're going to order stuff, and as long as you're working in his project, whether it's to build something, to create something, whatever it is, as long as you're working in that project, you know you've got not just the power, but you've got the authority to, do, to run this project. You don't have a care in the world. You don't wake up in the morning and say, I wonder if I can make this decision. I, I, I wonder if I can order this. I, I wonder if I should build. No, you know. The man's paying for it. He's given you a command to do this thing. He's given you a mission. You're fulfilling the mission. He's behind it, not you. He has given you his authority. You're standing there and doing this project in his name, on his behalf, with his authority, his money, his everything. It's a kind of a similar picture that Jesus is painting over here. He's saying, I have all the power. I have all the authority. Now you go and you work on the project for me now. You're going not in your authority, not in your power, not in your ability. You're going in my authority, my name, my power, my ability. Just continue doing what I've told you to do. You see what I've done, what you see me doing in preaching? You go and preach. Go and baptize. Go and connect them to the church. Help them. Teach them. And so he has given us a work to do, and he has given us authority to do this work. You see, because it says all power has been given to me, or all authority has been given to me, all exousia has been given to me, he says. In Philippians chapter 2, it says that the Father gave Jesus a name that is above every other name, on heaven, on earth, and under the earth. In other words, this whole universe is under the authority of the name of Jesus. When he says, the Father has given me a name, read over there, authority. The Father has given him authority, which is higher than any other authority. Heaven, earth, underneath, in this whole universe. So Jesus has all the authority. And with all that authority, he's authorizing us to continue with the project of spreading the gospel and making more disciples. This authority has a specific purpose and is released when aligned to fulfill that purpose. This authority and power shows up in the context of the purpose it was released for. In other words, go and make disciples of all nations. And when you and I align ourselves with that purpose, with that mission, exousia is released upon us. When we are going about being a believer, doing life myself as a believer, dunamis is working in me. I'm, I'm you know, trying to live a holy life. I'm, I'm pleasing God. Dunamis is at work in me to help me live the life of Christ. But the minute I go outside myself and I want to help others come to Christ, exousia is released. In other words, I have the authority now to do that and to bring others to Christ. You see? So I've got dunamis and exousia when I'm working outside myself. Dunamis to enable me to do what Christ has called me to do in my own life. To have my own life lined up with him. But the minute I look outside myself, exousia is there giving me the authority to exercise what I need to exercise for his glory. Amen? So we thank God for dunamis. But that it's not the only power available. We have to embrace exousia as well. 
Christian life, like I said, is not just coming to Christ and having a nice bunch of Christian friends and, and enjoying fellowship. That is great. That is part of it. But it's not all of it. We have to look out and realize that all of us have been called to not only be disciples, but to make disciples. And that's a call for every believer, not just for preachers and evangelists and missionaries. It's for all believers. Are you hearing me? I'm saying this because over the years, this idea of, of the secular and the religious has kind of crept into the church. You know, you get the clergy. That's the, the guy that gets paid by the church to preach and, and, and to do stuff in the church. He's the clergy. He's the one that must preach sermons. He's the one that must bring people to Jesus. And then you get the lay people. The lazy, you know, the lay people. All right? The guy just kind of come to church, listen to him, put some money in the offering, and then they go home. And next Sunday, they come back and do their religious stuff again. That is not what the Bible teaches. There is no difference between lay and secular or religious or clergy. It is just one thing. You're a child of God. Whether you're preaching the gospel, fixing a pipe, cleaning the toilet, running a marathon, you are a child of God. And you should, you, you should be radiating the life of Christ, sharing his love, living out, and helping people come closer to God. Hello? We are all called to be disciples who make disciples. And, and there are some people that they are not followers of Christ. They might receive an invitation from you to come to church and, and hear the gospel here. But some people will never come to church, even if you pay them. But as a friend, as a colleague, as a fellow worker or fellow student, whatever, you can talk to them about Christ casually. They look at something in your life, you give a word of testimony, and, and slowly but surely you bring the gospel to them. And they'll come to Christ. And then they'll come to church. Some people are like that, isn't it? You see, so we're all called to do this. This is, this is where we have the authority to do that. We have this kind of power in us. So what is the difference between a disciple and discipleship? The topic today is one heart for discipleship. But what is the difference between a disciple and discipleship? Let's go to, to Second Corinthians because here Paul Puts it, let's see how he puts it in his letter to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Check this. If you're in Christ, he's a new creation. You come to Christ, you are a new creation. You, are, you have a new identity. Amen? You are a new creation. And that's wonderful. All things have passed away. Hey, all has become new. So now I'm coming to Christ. I've got a new identity. I'm learning His ways and I'm growing Him. And then He says, Christ has reconciled us to Himself. That's wonderful. So through Jesus Christ, I am reconciled to God. I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. But the story does not end over there. He says, wait a minute. He has given us. The ministry of reconciliation. Wow, what does that mean? What is that for? Let's carry on. Verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us. You hear that? So not only now we, we've become connected with him, 
and being reconciled. But all of a sudden, he say, hey, he has committed to us that great commission. Now you go. He has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation or the word of reconciliation or the message of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So now that lost phrase over there, Paul is speaking now as an ambassador. We speak to you now. We are pleading to you. We implore on Christ's behalf as if Christ were here. I'm telling you, please be reconciled to God. And folks, that is our message and we've got the authority, the exousia. We've got the authority given from God to go to other people, other human beings just like us who need Jesus, just like we need Jesus. And, and if they are far from God, we've got the authority to go to them and say, listen, listen to me. I'm talking to you in the name of Jesus. I'm his ambassador. Please be reconciled to God. We've got a mission. Not only are we new creatures, new creations, but we have a mission, something to do. Now, notice three characteristics of a disciple in this passage. Number one, he has a new identity in Christ. A new identity in Christ. A disciple is someone who is in Christ. He's been born again. They have become a new creation. They have repented, identified with Christ in baptism, become part of a local church. He's made that decision to follow Christ. And with that decision comes a new identity. We, we sang about it this morning. I am a child of God. And so much, I know who I am. Amen. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. Do you believe that? Please, don't make it just a song you sing in church. Words you've memorized because the band sings the song or because you like the music. That is a truth which must become real to you and to me. That is my truth. I don't believe that. I know that. Huh? You, you remember the story I've said many times here? Yeah? Dear, I don't believe she's my wife. I know she's my wife. <laughs> okay you've got to come to a point where you, you spend time in the word and with the Lord and, and you come to understand hey I don't believe I'm a child of God I know I'm a child of God hallelujah I've got a new identity that is so important number two new purpose or calling it says that the Lord gave us the ministry of reconciliation and committed to us the message of reconciliation so you see, by coming to Christ, there's a redefinition of our purpose of life, of our calling in life. And this calling, it's a calling for all of those, all those of us who are in the body of Christ. And that is our first calling. It precedes all other callings you may have. Any other plans you may have, this precedes everything. My first calling is to be an ambassador for Christ. A citizen of heaven. Amen. And I've got a, a mission, a calling, a purpose committed to the message of reconciliation. Not only am I reconciled to God, but I must become an instrument of reconciliation, helping others to reconcile with God. So I've got to be on the alert. No matter what I do. Again, no matter what you work, you're a student, you're, you're a plumber, you're a mechanic, you're, you're, you're an engineer, you're a pilot, I don't care. As you're doing your job, 
remember, you are a minister of reconciliation. And you don't have to get a big bubble on your arm and, and be quoting scriptures the whole day. No. Just be aware of who you are before anything else. And as you're carrying on your life every day, you be alert for opportunities to speak a word here. Offer a prayer over there. Encourage someone over here. Help another person find out who he really is. Point him to Jesus. Amen. We become ministers. We have a calling which is above all our other callings. Hallelujah. Amen. And then number three, we have a new authority which comes with a package of salvation. Not only do we have a new identity and new calling, but new authorities. We are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. What is an ambassador? It's someone with authority from his or her country to represent their nation in another country. Many of us here are foreigners. We come from other nations. And when you go to your embassy here in South Africa, when you step into your embassy, it's like stepping into your native land, into your country. The people over there have the authority and the power to act, decide, do documents, sort things out as if they were in your country. And they, they, they live here in South Africa representing their nation. They can speak to government. They've got authority and power to do all sorts of things on behalf of their nation. And, how they, and they are recognized. The government recognizes them. Why? Because they've got authority from their nation. Well, guess what? We are citizens of heaven living on earth. Before you are whatever you are, you are first of all a citizen of heaven. Before you South African, Nigerian, Portuguese, Congolese, Chinese, whatever, you're first of all a citizen of heaven. That's your number one citizenship. And then number two, you've got your earthly citizenship. And guess what? Your heavenly citizenship determines your mission, your calling. And that's our first primary calling. We have an authority from heaven to do heaven's work on earth. Jesus himself has given us that authority. Amen? Our authority is not linked to our ability, but to our responsibility and appointed mandate of which we were called. Amen? Amen. That is what the discipleship is all about. It's this purpose. It's this, the, it's this process that you are called to, which involves all the other things we started this month. Because to be in the process of discipleship, you must have one heart towards God, one heart towards the church, one heart towards the lost. Amen? And one heart towards this process. So, how, do you, how are you doing? How do you identify with those three things? Eh? First and most important, are you aware of your new identity? Are you aware that you are a child of God, a new creation? Or are you still doubting if you're still doubting, you need to settle it in your heart. If necessary, come and talk to us. Come and ask for prayer, for counseling. But do not linger on wondering, doubting. There's a thing I don't, I don't like to do over here, but some churches they do it almost like every Sunday. They have an auto call of the service. You know what? Um, you know, if you've, if, you've, um, if you've backslidden, you know, or if you're not sure of your salvation, please come forward and I pray for you. And I've observed in these churches, some people, week after week, they're there. 
They go to the Sunday, get prayed. Oh, thank you. I'm happy. I'm going home. Next Sunday, oh, pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Did you or did you not say yes to Jesus? Did you or did you not mean it? I mean, how many times do I have to say yes to my wife before I become her husband? How many times do I have to sign that stupid register? Huh? You do, if you mean it, you do it. Now, you have to grow into it. You have to adjust. But that's a process called holiness. It's a process of adjusting and getting your life right. And, and we make mistakes. And, and, and we again, we sang about it today. We are all broken one way or the other. <laughs> People say to me, ah, oh, pastor, religion is, is, is just a crutch. You know? Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm broke. I need Jesus. I need help. I'm not ashamed to say it. I need God. I need church. I need Christ. Ish, without Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm gone, man. So do I, 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 I need more than a crutch. I need the whole surgery, amen. <laughs> and so I need Jesus. Thank you very much. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Someone's not admitted, but it's a, that doesn't mean I've lost my salvation <laughs> or I'm not sure of my salvation. It's a process. I'm getting stronger and stronger. Thank God I'm doing much better today than I did 30 years ago. <laughs> and I hope to get better at this until I see Jesus face to face. I'm going to be just like him. <laughs> but guys, we need to understand this. It's a process. How are you doing that? Very, very important. And then, have you made his purpose your purpose? Or are you just trying to get him to bless your purpose? It's so easy. Oh, you've got all these plans for your life. Come, Lord Jesus, won't you please bless my plans? I've got my life figured. I'd be so happy if I can bless my plans. Listen, just, just line up with his plans. It's already blessed. And then allow his plans to filter through every area of your life. Yes, pursue your dreams, pursue your career. Pursue, nothing wrong with that, but do it through the filter of his dreams, of his purposes. Lining up with him, bringing glory to him. Amen. And if what you're planning to do does not bring glory to God, then change your plan. Huh? If you think you're becoming the wealthiest man in the world by destroying everybody in your path, that does not line up with his plan. Because God wants to bless you without you having to destroy other people to get blessed. Hello? If you have to shame others and break others down to get on top, that's not God's way. God's going to give you favor and ability and wisdom to get where you want to get. And not only are you going to be blessed, but you're going to be a blessing to others in the process. Amen. 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 Thank you. I love this young guy. He, he, he. <laughs> He's cheering me on here. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so you see, guys, that is what it's all about. Allow his plan. And then finally, have you accepted his authority so that you can have authority? I, I, I battle this, being the kind of timid guy I am. I was all okay with believing Christ for myself. But man, to get out of my skin to tell somebody, about, oh man. And I was in school, high school, and I made my commitment to Jesus. And I'm still trying to work out and stuff. And, and it was not easy becoming a voice. 
amongst the class, it was, it was a boys' school, only guys and really teasing each other all the time. And you know how boys can be, you know, men, when you get together, we just break each other down, you know. We don't know how to build each other up, we just tease. And, and in the middle of all that, to try and become a witness for Christ. I sometimes would literally break up in a sweat before opening my mouth. But I started. And I started becoming amazed that when I opened my mouth, the words would be there. I wouldn't know what to say. But as I would start the conversation, somehow the words would be there. Sometimes there would be arguments. And God would give me the wisdom to, to, to take that conversation through. And still today, I've got friends which back in those days came to know the Lord. One of them is a pastor in Portugal today. And when he was visiting South Africa a while back, he reminded me of our conversations in high school. And he said, I, it was so irritating for him to talk to me, but he could see there was something in me that he wanted it. And I, without even realizing how much impact I was having on his life, he made a commitment to Christ because of what we did in, back in class back then. But you see, I had to step out. And as I stepped out, that authority, I had to realize, I've got authority to do this. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. I'm just a messenger, yeah? I don't have to change anybody. You and I, we don't change people. God changes people. But we are responsible to take the message there so that the message can help people connect with God and then God can change them. And we get invited to be part of the process. How awesome is that? How's it going? How are you doing? Accept that authority. At one time, once Jesus spoke to a Roman centurion, and Jesus was impressed that this Roman guy understood authority. He said, I have authority because I'm under authority. And so Jesus, I know that you also have authority because you're under authority. So just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, wow, man, this guy understands authority. And we need to understand authority because we are under authority. And therefore, we have authority because Jesus said, all authority is given to me. Now you go and you do this and that and the other. And we can go and do it. Amen. So, let the Holy Spirit speak to you today as you ponder on these truths and take the necessary steps to live the life of a disciple and to embrace the process of discipleship. Imagine if all of us here in this church had a heart for discipleship. If all of us had a heart for discipleship, not only become disciples ourselves, committed to God, committed to the church, committed to the lost, but then being part of this process, reaching out to people, and bringing people. If all of us had this heart, within a year we couldn't pack people in this church. There'd be too many people. Because we're helping others connect to God and connect to the church. And, and all of a sudden, we'd be touching so many more lives. Let me challenge you to do that. To really consider. Look at your life. And allow the Lord to speak to you. I hope that you have been blessed, encouraged, and challenged by this one heart series. Amen. Amen. Once again, a quick look at the topics we've covered. One heart for God. One heart for God's people, for the church. One heart for the lost. And today, one heart for discipleship. We all need these present in our lives 
as one, with one heart to fulfill our calling on this earth. May we allow the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to speak to us and to lead us in a growing relationship with Christ and in a growing journey as disciples of Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me, please, as we close in prayer? And I wonder that while you are standing, if you'd be willing this morning just to say, to say to God, to say to the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I'm standing here, not just for the closing prayer, but I'm, I'm standing here today to say, yes, I accept your calling in my life. Not just to be a follower of yours, but to be a disciple who helps others become disciples. I will become aware in my day-to-day life of opportunities to share the love of Christ. To help others come closer to Jesus. To reach out to people in my circle of influence that do not know the Lord. In fact, as you're standing right there right now, why don't you think perhaps of a friend or two? Maybe a friend in school, a friend at work, maybe a family member, or maybe a gym, somebody in gym or in your sports activities. Maybe think of someone that you know that does not know Christ. You know, this person is far from Christ. Why don't you pray for that person right now and say, Father, give me an opportunity to speak to this person. I remember when I was a student studying electronics, one of my fellow students was a tough, hard guy, one of these bikers, rough, tough oaks. And one day as I was being challenged by this kind of message, I lay in bed one night and I said, God, if I can get through to that guy, won't you please give me an opportunity to get through to that chap? And the days went by and this guy is such a hard guy, just don't find a way of connecting with him. And a couple of weeks down the line, during lunchtime, I was sitting back at the lab and doing some PJs or doing something, I don't know. And this guy walks in and he just sits down and he's had a bad week, he's had a bad weekend, he's down and all of a sudden he starts talking to me. I said, oh, here's my window. And I began to share with him about Jesus Christ and he accepted an invitation to come to a service with me. And he gave his life to Christ, became a follower of Jesus, became an influencer for Christ. Why don't you just ask the Lord, pray for that person, and ask God to give you an opportunity to speak to that person. Be alert. Be ready. Let God use us. Amen. So Father God, this morning as we come to the end of this series, we really stand here before you, Lord God, and say, Father, we want to be a people of one heart together. One heart towards you, one heart towards your church, towards the lost. One heart, Lord God, for the discipleship process. Embracing your calling, your mission in our lives. Embracing our identity, our calling, and our authority, Lord. Use me, use us, Father. And you hear right now, God, you know each and every heart standing before you. Maybe some people right now are, are praying and asking you for boldness to be able to talk to others. Some are asking for wisdom or for guidance. Some, Father, are thinking of 
someone that needs Jesus, they're lifting that person up to you right now. Father, won't you please lead their lives and open up a window of opportunity so that a meaningful conversation can take place. And those people will hear the gospel with an open heart. Won't you please use us, Father, to continue the work that you did on this earth until the day you come. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We pray that now the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us, will be with us, enabling us to live with one heart until the day you come. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all those who agreed said, God bless you. Have a great Sunday, a blessed week. See you next week. Amen.